Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Good morning, everybody. How are you doing? Nice to have you with us this morning again. As always, we are pressing on into the unbearable cold nights here in Puerto Vallarta. Let me see what it was last night. Yep, it was down to 60, 61, I think. Supposed to get down to 62 tonight. Freezing, freezing cold. Right now it's 68. Pretty nice. Nice for a walk. So enjoy yourself if you're down here. If not, well, plan for next year, I guess. We shall look over into this day in trivia this morning, see what is going on. There was a lot of goofy stuff. A lot of movies came out that aren't that interesting to me. Boy Scouts of America on this date, the 8th of February, 1910 is founded by William D. Boyce. Boyce had been lost in the fog while visiting London and encountered a boy who guided him to his destination. The boy refused Boyce's tip, explained that he was a Boy Scout and was merely doing his daily good deed. Intrigued Boyce met with the Boy Scouts headquarters upon his return to the U.S. He incorporated the Boy Scouts of America. Former U.S. President Theodore Roosevelt, who had long complained of the decline of American manhood, became an ardent supporter. Mary, Queen of Scots, is executed. Former Queen of Scotland. On this day in 1587, she is beheaded for her participation in the plot to kill Queen Elizabeth I. Politics is brutal. First U.S. woman to buy life insurance. <laughs> okay, that's pretty interesting. Oh, I don't know why they have that one in there. That was um, in 19, 1843, by the way. Mm-hmm. First opera performed in the United States, 1735 on this day. And uh, that's about it. That's just some not all that interesting stuff. Lana Turner's birthday is on this day. All right. Let's see if we got any dad jokes we can throw in here. <clears throat> if you're new... We like to put in some dad jokes for time fillers as people are clicking on and also just to get, um, just to wake up with our cup of coffee and, and have a nice, a nice smile as we get ready to start. Um, okay. Let's see. Where are we? Seriously, some limits, please. I'm getting a bit tired of the constant police advertisements that they're constantly sticking under my screen wiper. Mm. Must be living in the big city there. I met Bruce Lee's vegetarian brother today. His name is Brocco Lee. <laughs> I had a good friend on the ship we called Brock Lee. His name is Brock. Yeah, get him listening and joining in with us. Get him down here. Okay, uh, one more because I've just stared, stared at it. Why not? What is white? Stands in front of the stairs and can't go up. What is white? Stands in front of the stairs and can't go up. It's just goofy. A washing machine. <laughs> well. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. That's very true. All right. Well, we better pray. Look at, into the Word today. Father, thank you for guiding us in your Word. Thank you for bringing us together and giving us now this time. Just reveal your truths to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Exodus chapter 4, 
Moses now is before God and is given his power. Then Moses said, What if they will not believe me or listen to me, what I say? For they may say, The Lord has not appeared to you. And the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? And he said, A staff. And he said, Throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from it. But the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand and grasp it by the tail. So he stretched out his hand and caught it and became a staff in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord thy God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. The Lord furthermore said to him, Now put your hand into your bosom. So he put it, his hand into his bosom, and when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. Then he said, Put your hand into your bosom again. So he put his hand to, into his bosom again, and when he took it out of his bosom, behold, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. If they will not believe you or heed the witness of the first sign, they may believe the witness of the last sign. But if they will not believe even these two signs or heed what you say, then you shall take some water from the Nile and pour it on the ground, and the water which you take from the Nile will become blood on the ground. Then Moses said to the Lord, Please, Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither recently nor in the past or in time past, nor since you have spoken to your servant. For I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. The Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Or who makes him mute or deaf or see or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now then go, and I, even I, will be with your mouth and teach you what you are to say. But he said, Please, Lord, now send the message by whomever you will. Then the anger of the Lord burned against Moses, and he said, Is there not your brother Aaron the Levite? I know that he speaks fluently, and moreover, behold, he is coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You are to speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I, even I, will be with your mouth and his mouth, and I will teach you what you are to do. Moreover, he shall speak for you to the people, and he will be as a mouth for you, and you will be as God to him. You shall take in your hand this staff with which you shall perform the signs. Then Moses departed and returned to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, Please let me go that I may return to my brethren who are in Egypt and see if they are still alive. And Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. Now the Lord said to Moses in Midian, Go back to Egypt. For all the men who were seeking your life are dead. So Moses took his wife and his sons and mounted them on a donkey, and they returned to the land of Egypt. Moses also took the staff of God in his hand. The Lord said to Moses, When you go back to Egypt, see that you perform before Pharaoh all the wonders which I have put in your power. But I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. So I said to you, let my son go, that he may serve me. But you have refused to let him go. Behold, I will kill your son, your firstborn. Now it came about at the lodging place on the way that the Lord met him and sought to put him to death. 
But Zephora took a flint and cut off the son, his son's foreskin and threw it at Moses' feet and said, You are indeed a bridegroom of blood to me. So he let him alone. At that time, she said, You are a bridegroom of blood because of the circumcision. Now the Lord said to Aaron, Go meet Moses in the wilderness. So he went and met him at the mountain of God and kissed him. Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord with which he had sent him and all the signs that he had commanded him to do. Then Moses and Aaron went and assembled all the elders of the sons of Israel. And Aaron spoke all the words which the Lord had spoken to Moses. Then he performed the signs in the sight of, of the people. So the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord was concerned about the sons of Israel and that he had seen their affliction, then they bowed low and worshipped. Chapter 5. And afterward, Moses and Aaron came and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may celebrate a feast to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord, that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and besides, I will not let Israel go. Then they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. Otherwise he will fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. But the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you draw the people away from their work? Get back to your labors. Again, Pharaoh said, look, the people of the land are now many and you would have them cease from their labors. So the same day, Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters over the people and the foremen saying, you are no longer to give the people straw to make bricks as previously. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. But the quarter of bricks, which they were making previously, you shall impose on them and you are not to reduce any of it because they're lazy. Therefore, they cry out, let us go and sacrifice to our God. Let the labor be heavier on the men and make them work at it so that they will pay no attention to these false words. So the taskmasters of the people and the foremen went out and spoke to the people saying, Thus says Pharaoh, I'm not going to give you any straw. You go and get straw for yourselves wherever you can find it, but none of your labor will be reduced. So the people scattered through all the land of Egypt to gather stubble and straw. The taskmasters pressed them saying, Complete your work quota. Your daily amount, just as when you had straw. Moreover, the four men of the sons of Israel, whom Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and were asked, Why have you not completed your required amount either yesterday or today in making brick as previously? Then the four men of the sons of Israel came and cried out to Pharaoh, saying, Why do you deal with us this way with your servants? There is no straw given to your servants, yet they keep saying to us, Make bricks, and behold, your servants are being beaten but it is the fault of your own people. But he said, you are lazy, very lazy. Therefore you say, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. So go now and work for you will be given no straw. Yet you must deliver the quota of bricks. The foremen of the sons of Israel saw that they were in trouble because they were told you must not reduce your daily amount of bricks. When they left Pharaoh's presence, they met Moses and Aaron as they were waiting for them. And they told him, May the Lord look upon you and judge you, for you have made us odious in Pharaoh's sight and in the sight of his servants to put 
a sword in their hand and to kill us. Then Moses returned to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, why have you brought harm to this people? Why did you ever send me? Ever since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done harm to this people, and you have not delivered your people at all. Chapter 6. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For under compulsion he will let them go, and under compulsion he will drive them out of his land. God spoke further to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord, and I appear to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name, Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they sojourned. Furthermore, I have heard the groaning of the sons of Israel because of the Egyptians are holding them in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. Say therefore to the sons of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from their bondage. I will also redeem you with an outstretched arm and, and with great judgments. Then I will take you for my people, and I will be your God, and you will know that I am the Lord your God, who brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you to the land which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will give it to you for a possession I am the Lord. So Moses spoke thus to the sons of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses on account of their despondency and cruel bondage. Now the Lord spoke to Moses saying, go tell Pharaoh king of Egypt to let the sons of Israel go out of his land. But Moses spoke before the Lord saying, behold, the sons of Israel have not listened to me. How then will Pharaoh listen to me, for I am unskilled in speech? Then the Lord spoke to Moses and to Aaron, and gave them a charge to the sons of Israel and to Pharaoh king of Egypt, to bring the sons of Israel out of the land of Egypt. Verse 14, These are the heads of their father's households, the sons of Reuben, Israel's firstborn, Hanak, and Palu, Hezron, and Carmi. These are the families of Reuben, the sons of Simeon, Jamuel, and Jamin, and Hoad, and Jachin, Zoar, Shaul, the sons of the Canaanite women. These are the families of Simeon. These are the names of the sons of Levi, according to their generations. Gershom, and Kohath, and Merari, and the length of Levi's life was 137 years. The sons of Gershon, Libni, and Shemai, according to their families. The sons of Kohath, Aram, Izar, and Hebron, and Uziel, and the length of Kohath's life was 137 years. The sons of Merari, Mali, and Mushi, these are the families of the Levites according to their generations. Amram married his father's sister, Jochebed, and she bore him Aaron and Moses, and the length of Amram's life was 100 and 37 years. The sons of Izar, Korah, and Nepheg, and Zitri, the sons of Uziel, and Mishael, and Esaphan, and Sitri. Aaron married Elishaba, the daughter of Amenadab, the sister of Nashon, and she bore him Nadab and Abihu, Eleazar and Ithamar. The sons of Korah, Asir, and Elkanah, and Abisaph. These are the families of the Korathites. 
Aaron's son, Elisar, married one of the daughters of Petuel, and she bore him Phineas. These are the heads of the father's households of the Levites, according to the families. It was the same Aaron and Moses to whom the Lord said, Bring out the sons of Israel from the land of Egypt, according to their hosts. They were the ones who spoke to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, about bringing out the sons of Israel from Egypt, and it was the same Moses and Aaron. Now it came about on the day when the Lord spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt, that the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, I am the Lord Speak to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, all that I speak to you. But Moses said before the Lord, Behold, I am unskilled in speech. How then will Pharaoh listen to me? Well, you got to appreciate the humility of Moses because remember, he's writing this and he's being very honest, not like the Pharaohs and the kings who always, in when they would write down their history, would always, you know, write history to make themselves look like the all wise and powerful and conquering kings that they thought they were. Moses, as the Bible tells us, was the most humble man on the earth. And Moses stuttered, apparently. And Mo- Moses said, who, who am I, God? I can't do this. I'm nobody. And he writes it a couple of times. So he gives God all the glory here for whatever happened and how God wrote, just rose him up. I guess it's the right word. And gave him the ability to go before Pharaoh by his power and with his brother. It's kind of nice that God allowed that. God obviously said, I can put the words in your mouth, I can do it through you. But he allowed it because of Moses's, in a sense, weakness of faith. But he used him, used his brother. And um, I'm sure that was a big, great comfort to Moses to, to help him out. So this is Moses now before the people. What, what astounds me is that when the people first get this command, they have to go, go make the brick and everything gets worse, that Moses didn't just go to him and say, hey, guys, God told me that it's going to get worse before it gets better. He told me that Pharaoh's not going to let you go unless until he sees all the miracles and the power of God. So hang tight. You know, there's going to be there's going to be some uh, difficult days ahead with all of everything that um, Pharaoh's going to have to see God's power. So just, you know, hang tight a little bit. It's ha- it's going to happen. I don't know why he got discouraged because he knew God told him this was going to happen. God told him he's not going to let you go. Of course, I guess he didn't know that their workload was going to get worse. And he had a heart for the people, which is great. He didn't want to see his people suffer. That's great. But I don't know why, I don't remember remember telling him that God said that he's not going to let you go until he sees these these wondrous powers, in fact, until their firstborn have have been taken from them and that kind of thing. But anyway, he's praying, he's asking God, God is going to provide, but as often we find in following the Lord, things often get a little worse before they get better. When we are following him and his will, and he promises us that he is going to deliver us, he is going to set us free, there is often a spiritual battle that ensues because the enemy doesn't want to let you go. And so, yeah, we find ourselves with no straw for the brick. Find ourselves in situations, financial ruin. I don't know what it is, but but you know that when you are yielding your life over to the Lord and you're saying, yeah, enough of this, enough of the flesh, enough of the world, I am going to give my life to the Lord. That often things can get pretty tight. Things can be difficult, um, you know. And if 
you're working in a work environment which is ungodly or partaking in some type of sin which has enriched you, then you give that up. Things can turn around and it can get can get rather difficult for a while. But the power of God will always deliver you through those things if you're patient and wait upon him. Matthew 24. Finishing Matthew 24, beginning picking up in verse 29. This is the great um, meeting with Jesus and his disciples talking about the end of days. This is one of the most prophetic chapters in the New Testament of the Gospels. I'm sorry, let's just say in the Gospels. Matthew 24, verse 29. But immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and with great glory. And he will send forth his angels and with a great trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of the sky to the other, Verse 32, now learn the parable of the fig tree, when the branch has already come, become tender, and put forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So you too, when you see all these things, recognize that he is near right at the door. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But on that day, an hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone. For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away. So will the coming of the Son of Man be. Then there will be two men in the field. One will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one will be left. Therefore, be on alert, for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. But be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known at what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have been on alert and would have not allowed his house to be broken into. For this reason... You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming in an hour, or when you do not think he will. Who then is the, is the faithful and sensible slave whom his master has put in charge of his household to give him their food at the proper time? Blessed is the slave whom his master finds so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But if that evil slave says in his heart, my master's not coming for a long time, begins to beat his fellow slaves and to eat and drink with drunkards, the master of the slave will come on a day when he does not expect him at an hour which he does not know and will cut him into pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So that's a pretty intense end. To what he's talking about here on this whole thing about his second coming. We see two things happening here, second coming and the rapture. The beginning, he says, when he comes, he's going to come 
and great glory is going to come on the clouds. And all the earth, all the tribes of the earth are going to see him. That is the second coming at the end of the seven years tribulation that he's coming back and establishing his kingdom on the earth. But then he says, then this this parable now goes into this, the, the whole fig tree, that when the fig tree is starting to soften there and becoming put forth its shoots, you know the the time of the harvest is near, that the, the fruit is going to be harvested. And so be ready. And he says you don't know the, the time when the harvester, so to speak, is going to come for the fruit. And that will be the rapture coming a day and an hour when man does not know. Second coming, everybody's going to know. Everybody's going to see it. But in the rapture, nobody's going to know the day or the hour. He's going to come like a thief, and he's going to come and take that which he came for, the the produce of the land, the harvest of the field, his bride, and take us out of here before the tribulation comes upon the earth. So this is the whole sequence he's giving his apostles here, and then Paul's going to pick up on this in a big way in 1 Thessalonians and cover this in chapter 4 and also in 1 Corinthians 15. And he's going to get into this idea of the resurrection, the resurrection body. And and then, of course, as we're in Revelation now, we're going to see how this all plays out, the tribulation then leading up to his second coming at the, at the end of the book of Revelation. So um, phenomenal chapter, so much here. I'll resist a temptation to to do an expositional teaching on it <laughs> because we don't have that kind of time. But um, but keep reading Matthew 24 and in context. We want to read it as we go through the book of Revelation together because they're two um, complement one another very well. All right, Charles Spurgeon, joyful security. I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Isaiah 41:10. Fear of falling is wholesome. To be venturesome is no sign of wisdom. Times come to us when we feel that we must go down unless we have a very special support. Here we have it. God's right hand is a grand thing to lean upon. Mind, it is not only his hand, though it keepeth heaven and earth in their places, but his right hand, his power united with skill, his power where it is most dexterous. Nay, it is not all. It is written, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness, that hand which he uses to maintain his holiness and to execute his royal sentences. This shall be stretched out to hold up his trusting ones. Fearful is our danger, but joyful is our security. The man whom God upholds, devils cannot throw down. We may be our feet, but Almighty is God's right hand. Rough may be the road, but omnipotence is our upholding. We may boldly go forward. We shall not fear. Let us lean continually where all things lean. God will not withdraw his strength, for his righteousness is there as well. He will be faithful to his promise and faithful to his son, and therefore faithful to us. Happy ought we to be. Are we not so? Well, yes, we are. We are happy. And we are joyful, and we are thankful for all that he is doing. And he does uphold us in these difficult days. So let's be praying and continually praising him for all that he is doing. Father, we thank you for that beautiful devotion. We thank you for the, the truth that is that lies there within it. 
that it is a glorious thing to be safe in your hand, that you hold us up, that you strengthen us, that you guide us. And we need it, Father, because there is so much evil around, so much deception going on around us. And now this, um, on one side, a redefining of the church in man's own image, which is causing the apostate church to flourish. These many new decisions coming down through church councils, which are now being all-inclusive of all kinds of sin within the church. God, we pray for the strength of the church, that those within it to make a stand for true for the truth and not to back away. We pray that the enemy would not continue to come in as these wolves and deceive people, and that you would um, that you would make your church pure. And you are you are separating the sheep from the goat, the goats, and you are making that defining line, and you are making a, a distinction between the apostate church and your church, your bride. So we thank you for that. We even now have the satanic worship going on in the in, in the Grammys and all kinds of horrendous things going on around us. We never thought we would see, and not on public TV. And, and we are astounded. Uh, we're shocked, but not shocked. We know that we are in the very end of days, as, as Jesus was saying. And when you see these famines and these earthquakes and the pestilence and the, uh, and the love of many growing cold, you, we know that we're right there. The tree is budding and you're about to come. We are hearing of the wars and rumors of wars. And we know that this earthquake thing, God, has just been horrendous for Turkey, Syria, parts of Israel, the worst earthquake they've potentially ever seen. And God, we don't know at this point how many people are dead. We don't know how many people are trapped still, God, holding on for life, waiting to see if somebody would rescue them. God, we do pray that you work miracles right now as these people are searching, even going into the night, they'd be continuing to search and that you would bring those people, those search animals, to the areas where the people need to be rescued. God, that you would still bring out people alive. We're praying for the families of those who have seen their loved ones die and have lost their homes, have lost businesses. There is a great wailing and sadness going on throughout Turkey and other areas, God. And there's Calvary Chapel there, too, and uh, that has been affected. And a pastor and his wife have been killed in the rubble. And so we we pray for the, the Calvary Chapel churches that are over there ministering, but also suffering, and that you would um, minister greatly to them and help them, and that the rest of the rest of the churches around there could be a support one to another, unifying the churches, God. And we pray a, just a strong prayer of, of strength for those that are working and these dangerous situations. Pray that the food can come in, the water can come in, that you restore restore power, whatever needs to be done. But we know it's a sign. We know it's a clear sign that we're at the end of days. So we just say, help us to prepare God to know what's coming. Help us to be ones that be ready to help in whatever situation. And in that, God, we ask for your strength in our own bodies, for healing of our own bodies as we need to ma- maintain our our health so that we can be useful in whatever way possible. If it's physically to help those in need, or if it's 
just spiritually, if it's there to be counseling and praying uh, for those also in need. So thank you for what you are doing in our in our bodies. Continue to we continue to pray that you would continue to heal us and to save save our loved ones and save those that are hurting and are are looking for help. So thank you, Father, in Jesus' name, Amen. There we go. Well, thank you guys. Keep checking up on what's going on over there and praying for what's going on over there. It's serious, as well as all these other things. The the war. I didn't even pray about that, but. This war in Russia is still very, very serious as well as China and what they're up to. So keep your your eyes open and uh, keep your heart lifted up and praying to the Lord. So thank you. We will see you tonight at 6.30 if you can join us for the service. We'd love to have you in First Kings. Awesome study. Or we'll see you tomorrow, same time. God bless. Keep looking up. Bye. Mm-hmm.